You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Is this a bonus episode? Why, yes, indeed it is. It is part one of a two-part bonus episode featuring my dude Charles from Silktone Amps. We recorded here, I don't know, several months ago, and it was a really great episode where we got to know Charles a lot better and get his story, and I really encourage you to go back and listen to that one if you have not. But I had to bring him back on the show because as soon as we got done recording the first one, he was talking to me about the podcast and telling me he really enjoyed the original episode I did with Robert Keeley way back in the day, which has long been a fan favorite episode. And he said, my story is is very similar to his. And I thought, well, we should probably talk about that because the podcast is bigger now than it was then. And those type of stories of addiction and recovery have been a somewhat reoccurring theme on here. And I get a lot of messages and feedback that uh, that people really enjoy hearing those stories and they can be really helpful. So when Charles brought up the fact that his story was so similar, we you know immediately started saying, hey, well, you got to come back on. So he came back on and we went for over two hours, I think. And uh, this is the result of it. So I'm breaking it up into two parts. So this is part one and part two will be available in the player like immediately afterwards. So I just broke it up to make it easier for people who are downloading and all that stuff. I've gotten some feedback saying that the longer episodes take, you know, anyway, logistically, it just made a little more sense to go that way. So it's a two-parter. We'll see if that works better for more people. We'll see how it goes, but it should be available in your feed uh, immediately when you're done with this one. So without further ado, let's get into this. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and I have returning my dude, Charles Henry from Silktone Amps. What's going on, man? What's going on? Not much. Been busy. Wasn't sure we were going to get to do this today. They were just they were just running all kinds of equipment just right outside the shred shed and uh it's double walled and has, you know, two layers of five eighths drywall and all and all that jazz. But, uh, you know, it's only so much you can do when it's literally 10 feet away, just wide open, full RPM wood chipping, you know. Right. I'm, I'm glad you have the kind of pull in your town to where you can just pop your head out the window and go, dudes, I'm I'm doing a podcast here. Can you just and they're going to come back next Friday or whatever. It was more like, uh, excuse, excuse me, sir. Are you, are you guys done? Uh, oh, oh, it sounds like you're done. Are you done? Oh, you're done. Okay, good. Thank, thank you, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. I'll, I will, I won't be any more trouble. Thank you, sir. They don't even that. respond. They're just looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, they're like, no, you're good. You're good. We're done. I'm like, cool. Right. On. I wasn't gonna tell them to stop either. You know, I'm not quite that guy. They're going to come over and start taking apart the shred shed. (laughs) They just start (laughs) start chipping it. They just start throwing (laughs) pieces of it in the chipper. Tell us to quiet down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm really, and I, I made sure not to like ask the neighbor. I asked like the worker guy that was doing it because I don't ever want to be the neighbor that's complaining about noise in my neighborhood because. Oh my God. You know, not only do I not want to be that guy, but also uh, I have jammed like really loud, full blown. And because there's two doors in the shred shed, um, you know, like a double door situation, I, I realized when I left that I accidentally didn't close the outside door, which is the door that seals out most of the sound. So it was basically like the door was open. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been yeah. lucky I, in, in my place now that we just moved into, um, you know, we're on the, the street. It's a, you know, your traditional neighborhood, but, um, the it was a three car garage that was converted into like a studio and workshop environment before we even moved in. So it was like, oh my god, we have to grab this place. But it's it's not soundproofed, uh, you know, traditionally. But it works so well. We get so little road noise, and we smash on the drums in here and and yell and jam. And I have to be loud with my amps to make sure everything's working properly. And we've tested it and like, you know, gone across the street and it's like whisper quiet. You can't hear anything. But mm-hmm. before we got this place, well, actually the place before this, we were like up in the woods and nobody could hear us either. So that was really cool. But I've had such bad luck over the years. Like my first place was an apartment and I would try and play music. Uh, <laughs> I I was like 19 years old and I stupidly got a Vox AC30 when I lived in an apartment. And... <laughs> Uh, I would try and play it, and I, I know it's allowed, but for the first couple months we lived there, we didn't have anyone under us, so it was pretty chill. Uh, and then some people moved in, and it wasn't so chill anymore. So I stopped playing it at night, but then even at like, I'd be playing moderately at like 3 p.m. on a Saturday, and the cops would show up. And it was like, what the f- what the hell? And uh, the neighbors just like at the at the drop of a pin would just call the cops on us. It was insane. Like I, to the point where I stopped playing guitar the whole time I lived there just because it was such a hassle. Wow. Yeah, th- those people were a joke. So I, I hate being the the one. I, I will never go to a neighbor and be like, can you, can you guys keep it down? Yeah, I, I just can't because it's if it's not music, it's, you know, I used to have this uh, Nissan 240SX that you know had it had an engine swap in it and you know it had basically not entirely straight piped exhaust but basically and every morning i'd get up for work at you know whatever time it was 5 30 in the morning and it'd be iced over and i'm like well i gotta warm it up <laughs> you know and it was it <laughs> yeah. was loud yeah. <laughs> and so and i like did feel kind of bad because i was like i'm sure nobody wants to hear this right now but I also <laughs> right, have to yeah. get to work. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and then I sold that and I have a much more reasonable, you know, regular old Toyota Corolla these days. But I still get the Camaro out of the garage once in a while and it's not quiet either. And so I definitely have, I just have no room to be the guy that's like, pipe down everyone. Like, <laughs> right, it's yeah. usually me that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do try to be conscious of it, conscious of it, and the shred shed is very, very isolated. I've, uh, I've done a lot of tests with it, and I can, I can get it really ripping out here, and it's not going to bother anybody. So, oh, for sure, yeah, that's awesome. When when we were looking for places like 
there were a few beautiful places that we looked at that we were just like, this isn't going to work because we knew we were going to be loud. And uh, as nice as the places were and as good of a deal they were, um, it was, yeah, too close to other neighbors. You know, that was a big consideration. So uh, if we ever were too loud here and a neighbor came over and was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> sleep or something, can you keep it down? I would totally understand and be like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, we are conscious of it, like you said. And we can rock pretty loud here. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a luxury that I have. I, sure. I now can't really live without. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I have to be able to do this. And uh, yeah, it's when people ask me what my favorite piece of gear that I own is, I'm like, the shred shed. Like, <laughs> Like for real, like no joke. Yeah. I wouldn't. I like most of the other stuff would be kind of useless, right? If I if I didn't have that, so I I love having the shred shed, and uh, I I if it doesn't have to be as big as it is, but like if I were to move, I would definitely be budgeting in another build of some sort. It doesn't have to oh, be quite sure. as as tall and ridiculous, but I would definitely be budgeting in something. So did you convert something that was there or did you build the shred shed from, from nothing? Nope. It was nothing. Oh, wow. It was just an empty spot in the yard. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. And, uh, it was like, well, I think it'll fit here. And it did. So, so yeah. yeah, it was, it was quite a process. I, I was going to have it be like, I was going to have it be a several year project, you know, and just kind of, do it as I had time. And then we found out we were having my first child. And it was like, wow, all this stuff needs to get out of the house immediately. So yeah. it became a priority. And I, I did manage to get it finished before before he was born. So yeah, it's it's been, yeah, it's been really great. And then also, you know, looking, I didn't know this at the time when I built it, but looking into the future, it was really really important because uh i now have a place to work and like right yeah you know i'm working i've been working at home for several years and doing what i do just simply would not be feasible if i had to do it in the house so so oh, for sure yeah yeah it's we when i uh we had a little one bedroom house uh at our last place and I grew out of it really fast when I started up silk tone. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. Like it, the smallest amount of production is like, Oh crap, where'd my kitchen go? You know? And it was, yeah. uh, we went from a little one car garage and it was all of a sudden we had too much inventory, too many parts and proto. I, we didn't even launch the amp at that point yet, but there was just prototypes laying around and just, and it was like, man, we need to get a bigger place here. So, um, yeah, when again, when we were looking for a place, it was either something that we could use that where they had it already and we could convert it like a big garage or a big uh, shed in the back or something with a lot of land where we could pop up like a shred shed type thing like like you did. Um, I've always wanted to do that. That's that'd be awesome to build something from scratch. Well, don't worry. Now, you know, if you tried to do it uh, in 2021, it would only cost 17 times what it would normally cost due to the Oh lord, I know. Jesus, <laughs> everything. I've been <laughs> God, don't get me started. I've been I've been hit left and right on on material costs. It's insane. Wood, you know, cabinets, um my chassis and stuff for the amps. 
skyrocketed. Uh, it they I had to order five times as much as I normally do, where I'm, I'm not producing that many right now, but I had to order that much just to get the attention because they're like, ah, uh, you know, one sheet, no, 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 We're, we'll we'd rather deal with someone else, and. Oh, it was insane. Just material costs everywhere through the roof. I hope it changes really soon. I don't I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I don't think it's going to. I don't <laughs> think that it, any of this stuff is going to stay like stay crazy high, but I do think that our raw material costs are going to be permanently higher than they used to be. Uh, um, I just Well, I mean you know, I mean, not to go off off the rails, especially since I am not an economist, but <laughs> when, you know, when demand has not slipped for most things, in fact, it's gone up in a lot of respects, and the suppliers aren't able to supply due to, you know, shutdowns or whatever, uh, then that's what happens, you know, and... I wasn't really thinking about it, but in talking to a lot of pedal manufacturers, you know, there weren't really any serious parts shortages in 2020 no. because we were working off the suppliers that bought from the raw material providers. And now we're seeing this ripple effect of like, okay, the place that literally makes the plastic was shut down right. for the yeah. same amount of time. So, you know, it took that long for us to see, you know, those effects on you know the microcontrollers and everything else and i don't know 20 percent of the current cash in the u.s system was created out of the blue in the last you know 14 18 months uh i think we might be uh, i hate to say it but i think we might be staring down the barrel of some 80s style inflation which is kind of freaky but yeah that's what it looks like to me and that's rough because it, it takes a lot longer for it to settle back down, you know, because uh, even if the supply or, you know, even if the manufacturing gets back on pace and and they can supply everything quick again, I don't see it quickly being like, OK, you know, everything's normal price again. Exactly. Well, we, I mean, you know, if demand is still like that insane, you, you can't. Yeah, you can't really do that. That's not it's, how any it, of this works. Everything. I hear I hear a lot of people can't get speakers right now. Uh, my my capacitors that I use in the amp are I, fortunately I have a lot of them, but I tried to order more and they're all on back order until you know who knows when. And uh, early or like mid last year, the the transformer manufacturer that we were using shut down, and I know that affected a lot of people because a lot of people were using them. Um, we were fortunate enough to have a custom design in in production already with another company. So it didn't really affect us, but uh, that's rough. Like everyone. Yeah. Just the shutdowns and then the demand on top of it. I know other transformer manufacturers got just bombarded with orders and it was this huge backlog of like six, seven months before you get a transformer because all of a sudden they have this other company's orders now too. It, it's so insane. It's just, I mean, and it's everybody I talk to across the board and you know, fortunately, like with the string stuff, we went like super deep on inventory. And then recently we we're just like, you know what? Go deeper. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah sure. We're going to have, you know, six plus months. I don't even know how many months now, but like, like 
a long time of inventory on yeah. our on our hand. But you know what's worse? Not being able to make anything. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just let's go deep. The worst case scenario is we you know, I mean we store our stuff all really carefully and it's vacuum sealed and humidity controlled and blah 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 blah. So it's it's fine. And it's you know yeah. it's metal. You'll use it eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's way better than not being able to get it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's tough. It's tough because you can't do that with everything, you know. Right. It's, yeah. This is literally wire, so it's it's like there's a few different places to get it, for the most part. Well, I'm I'm actually not. Well, that's not entirely true, but <laughs> but <Yeah>. still. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, well, other than the woes of trying to get parts and whatnot, yeah. what else has been going on with you? Oh, just been busy, man. Been super busy since we since we talked last. I've been doing a lot of uh, demo recording, and I haven't released a lot yet out of out of this studio. Um, but I got a new Apollo unit that's been pretty sweet, and then um, just production, like just hitting it hard with uh, with uh, the social media thing, you know. And we got a really great demo out. Uh, Ryan at Demos in the Dark, I've been talking to a lot. He he released this amazing demo for us. Oh, and, I uh, saw it. It was so good. Oh, it's so good. I, I try not to be biased because I know it's my amp that, that he's representing, but but I watched it a few times. It made me want to buy one. <laughs> I was like, I think this might be the best amp demo I've ever seen. <laughs> he's very good. You know? so good. <laughs> he's, he's a very good player, and he presents things really, really well. I like him a lot. He's a yeah. good dude. It was cool, yeah. And then he put me into contact with some cool friends, and uh, we've been ramping up our our dealer base, and it's been it's been really busy. But it's been it's been busy, but it's it's been kind of a weird couple weeks. It was uh, I kind of just like hermited out in my house the last couple weeks, just because it's been so weird. With uh, I've been trying to get as much work done as I can, but it was the it was the one year anniversary of losing like my best friend and cousin uh last week and it i didn't think the anniversary would affect me as much as it did i've always kind of said like i i you know anniversaries are weird it's when something sad like that happens it's like whether it's 200 days or 365 who who gives a crap it sucks either way but then it popped up and like it was rough man like we didn't get to do the memorial thing last year because he died on on may 4th 2020 so everything is shut down social distancing not allowed to have funerals nothing like that and uh so we did it this year and everyone was kind of waiting for it and like we had friends come out from new york and and all over the place uh because he was a pretty major person in a lot of people's lives and uh like the memorial was cool it, it wasn't as super emotional as I thought it would be because it, it was it was really chill. We just we hung at uh, at my aunt's bar in Oakland um, where we all used to hang out. So it was kind of a you know the perfect fit for a spot. And uh, I got to see a lot of people that that I was close with like ten years ago that I haven't seen in a really long time. So that was like surreal and and really weird and. It was really overwhelming in a lot of different ways. Like one is the context of why we're there, like losing this major person in our lives, um, and then 
two is just the catching up with everyone I haven't seen. You know, there's 20 people coming up to me that I haven't seen in 10 years that that all want to talk. And I was so happy to see all of them that it was so overstimulating. And then three, it's like the first major social event I've been to since since all the shutdowns. So I was like, oh my God, I'm used to seeing like three people max. And now there's like 150 people here. This is insane. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, that was crazy. But, but that was chill. But like the following days were, were just kind of heartbreaking. It, it was like feeling the loss of my cousin, but then also like after seeing everybody, just kind of feeling the distance that I that I that I have with with a lot of my friends now. Um, it kind of messed me up for like a week there. Is it because like literally, and I don't mean this in the COVID sense, but like literally the physical distance because there's so many people across the country, or is it? personal difference or what do you what do you know so uh, a lot of it 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 stems from a lot of different places but it just lost connections not really because of the covid thing because i've kept pretty close with with uh my uh the the people i i socialize with now but it's just a lot of old contacts that we don't see each other for one reason or another like uh, a couple people um like we all we all used to have moderate to major uh drug problems and several of us have kind of gotten you know gotten better with it myself included i've been clean for for 8 years now and when you are associating with with people like that you kind of have to steer clear in the beginning so that stuff like that doesn't pop back up, you know, um, a lot of people in the recovery world, you know, they say cut off all your old contacts. I don't quite believe in that because these are friend friendships that I've valued for a long, long time, but it, it makes it a lot easier to stay sober when, when you're not around, uh, people that you used to do a bunch of drugs with. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, it's not like we broke everything off. We were like, Oh, I can never talk to you again. It, it just kind of went that way. You know, right. um, that's why it was rough losing my cousin. Cause he's, he never got into to drugs like, like we did, but alcohol was really big for him. And, uh, yeah, that was a rough loss. We, we weren't really sure what it was. We were really afraid that it, that it was COVID when it happened. Cause he, it, it was so sudden. It would just, he seemed okay one day and then the next day he was just just gone nobody knew why uh but it turns out it wasn't covid um it was just abuse of his body it was, it was crazy but uh so that was that was really rough and then um so it was nice seeing people that uh that are doing really well now also like we were so happy to see each other because it's like oh my god we were used to seeing each other on, on such worse terms <laughs> and right. now it's like it's like oh my god you're doing great like we've all been following each other and like uh a friend graduated from college and, you know that was really cool and then they're seeing what i'm doing with uh you know getting engaged and having buying a house and starting up the business and everything and just uh really happy for each other so that was that was cool yeah you part of the reason i wanted to get you back on was because when we hopped off last time you 
we were talking, well, we talked for quite a while, but one of the things you brought up was the Robert Keeley episode, the, oh, specifically yeah. the first Robert, Ke- Robert Keeley episode of this podcast, which if people haven't listened to that. They may not know that Keeley also used to have some pretty serious drug issues uh, with, with pills specifically. And he, I'm sorry to rehash this for all the old listeners, but for any of the new listeners, it was a really eye-opening moment for me when he came on the show. I don't remember what episode it was, like maybe episode seven, like really, really early. We're on like two, almost 240 or 250 or something now. Yeah. And so it was really, really early. And I was sitting there thinking we were going to just talk about pedals, which we mostly did. And then all of a sudden we're talking about his substance abuse issues and how he was able to come out of that and the effects that it had on his life. And I'm going, that was like a moment where I was like, wow, this whole podcast thing is really, <laughs> really weird. And then <laughs> you, you brought it up as you know you were like oh yeah that story really hits home with me because that used to be me too and i was like oh man well we got to talk about that you know yeah. so that's that's part of the reason i wanted to have you come back on because that has become somewhat of a reoccurring theme on the show is addiction and recovery and it's not something that i have a lot of personal experience with myself but i have had you know i've lost friends to drugs and uh, and it's always really encouraging to hear a story like yours where somebody is able to come back from that. So if you are comfortable sharing that stuff, I think it can potentially help a lot of people, you know? Oh yeah. It, it, I'm an open book. Like I, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. it. If anyone were in front of me, I'd be open with it. So yeah, why not talk about it here? Uh, the it's, it's interesting. Cause yeah, like you said, I I've lost a, lot of friends to drugs and it's it gets harder every time and uh you know back when i was using we would lose people and then you'd think it'd be kind of an eye-opener like damn i should stop doing this stuff but it kind of just depresses you and that's why you do it in the first place right so mm-hmm. uh it doesn't make it easy to get off of it um the like I said, with my cousin dying, that was the hardest hit because we were all doing okay. Like the last time we hung out, um, I say my cousin, he was more like my brother. Like a a lot of people aren't as close with their cousins as I am. So I like to say like, he's more like a brother to me. Like we're the same age. We grew up like side by side, uh, me and my two other cousins. Um, so when we lost him, it was this life shattering change, like right in the middle of all this other crazy stuff going on. And it, it made me think so much just about how, how some people can get away from it and some people can't. And, uh, and then I started going through and through it with my brother too, just trying to, uh, that's what we were talking about last time, I think off the air with just how, um, seeing people that are doing it now and like me being so far away from it. uh, It's so far out of my life now that I like, I'm not in any groups or anything like that. I don't, I don't do any kind of recovery system. I just kind of dove straight into the, the music and amp thing. And um, I was able to just completely put that other stuff out of my mind. Like I, I rarely think about it anymore. And I think that's so important for actually getting over something like 
I think a big reason a lot of people do that stuff is because it, a lot of times it's that I find it's obsessive personalities and they become obsessed with this feeling or this drug and it kind of just takes them over like the people who get really hard into it and everyone I've seen that's tried to stop um, and fail. It's because they, they, they'll stop cold Turkey or, or whatever and not really have anything else going on. So they have all this free time and, and uh, like they try and start a life now from scratch, you know, after, after being so into drugs and it's so difficult if you don't have something else to kind of do. And I was really fortunate and really lucky to already have this like music and, and gear and amplifier uh, uh, building obsession. So I could kind of just sidestep. Like I just traded one obsession for the other and just dove straight into that. So um, the, uh, sorry, there's a million things running around in my head. I'm trying to keep all the webs together. Um, no, it's fine. The uh, so yeah, like my brother has been great since we talked last. Like it, it was, it was a huge problem uh, the, the, during the last episode, and, and it, like he was, uh, he was struggling a lot. And then he's been basically totally clean since then, and he's he's living up here around uh, around us now, and so that's been that's been really great. So it's good to see people do well. Um. And the uh, sorry, I lost track. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's okay. I yeah. I have a couple questions. So sure, sure. In regards to all this stuff, like obviously, I think it's been well documented and well proven at this point that the whole, you know, just say no, kids. Like that. That's that that doesn't work like you know that's not a, that's not really a thing you know like it doesn't yeah. i guess it, it not only does it make it more enticing to to people who don't know any better or you know maybe they do and they like to they just don't like being told no like there's all kinds of reasons why that program didn't really work but more importantly i feel like it ignores those that are already struggling and I I I don't think there's enough focus even today even though things are a lot better. I don't think there's enough focus on you know just saying no doesn't like help anybody. You you hear people all the time be like, "Well, they're just on drugs. They just need to get off the drugs." It's like, "Well, oh, it's ridiculous." Well, sure. You know, if it was that easy, then every <laughs> then then we wouldn't have addiction problems. <laughs> like oh, it I was know. just just get off oh, of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, my stuff spurred because, it, I mean, the, the way I got into it and started it is uh, my stuff was doctor prescribed. I banged my head on something and they gave me a bunch of Vicodin or like extra strength Vicodin. And I tried that for the first time. So that's not like a just say no situation. You know what I mean? No. Like that, that's a doctor prescribed thing where it's, you know, not some dude on the corner offering it. And I took it and was like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I want more <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, it, it just for some reason clicked and just at the time just kind of grew from there. It started as a very, very casual thing. Um, it's not like it was this raging addiction, like right from the get go, but like all like most pill cases and stuff, it evolved into more serious stuff years later. It, you know, it, 
it spanned over like like seven years but there's such a taboo with drug addiction like people you see someone on drugs or you hear that someone is addicted and it you almost they're almost start being treated like a leper you know like but it that's not always the case and people have this idea of drug addicts in their head and they think of the you know really hardcore like homeless cases you see on the street or something but it's normal ass people like i, I know so many people and i dealt with so many people that just held a job at the grocery store or like me, I always held a job. I was pretty functional. Um, half the people didn't know, had no idea that I was on drugs until until it became obvious. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, there, there's nothing out there to to kind of reel that in and get people off of it. There, there's you know AA and NA and stuff like that. But but that's I think it, it works great. It, it has a great track record of working for the people who who adopt it and kind of let that take over all, all the time they use doing drugs. Um, it, it wasn't something I was interested in, but there's really nothing else out there. I was talking about this with someone recently and th there's, I think a lot of it is just it stems back to mental health and uh, self-esteem and, uh, a lot of it is like diet. For me, a lot of it was like just diet and general health in in general. Like, like I, I'll share here that like when I got off of it, I there was a time like a year later that I used it again, and it I wouldn't call it a relapse because it's not like my whole habits changed or anything. It was just like a one time thing, and like, oh yeah, I'll try that out again. And I hated it. It was terrible. I, it was so surprising. I was like, what the hell? Like, I used to like this. This is disgusting. I, I felt so <laughs> gross. <laughs> but I was thinking about it. And like, when I first got into it, I was so unhealthy, just like sat inside all the time, ate garbage, like just soda and fast food, like all the time. And I was really depressed. I was having panic attacks all the time. Like, I, I was pretty young, like 19 years old and just like very antisocial and just the using the drugs kind of made me feel like everybody else. You know, I was like, Oh, this is how people like get on. <laughs> like, interesting. Th th okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, wow, this is what normal people must feel like. And it kind of lifted me up, you know? So then when I had stopped and then that year later, I was like the healthiest I've ever been. I, I was uh, exercising, started rock climbing, stuff like that, and uh, eating healthy, like going outside, being super social. So I was at like, you know, the, like the peak social part of my life and uh, and feeling really good. And, and then I tried it again and it brought me way down and it was just like, oh, what the, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Just, just the, the effect, the different effect and feeling I felt at two different times in my life with the same drug. Yeah. I don't mean to compare this at all because I have a weird, I have a weird something going on. Um, uh -huh. I, I too, I mean, I've been prescribed things and I'm like, I'm like, okay, whatever. And I didn't really actually didn't like take them really. Like I, I took them at first thinking that they were going to help my pain because I had a serious accident. Um, and they didn't really, I was like, it still hurts just as bad. 
So why am I taking this? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And then like I have a I have a very strange relationship with smoking. And I've talked about it before. Like I used to smoke not like a crazy amount, but you know, maybe a half a pack a day at my peak, you know, which which is not that much compared to some people, but right. It's decent. And I really liked it. Like, I was like, this is great. I like smoking. Yeah. <laughs> smoking, smoking is wonderful. <laughs> uh, and like, I had this weird thing where one day I bummed a cigarette for my friend and I was like halfway through it. And I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. It actually like tastes gross. Yeah. And then I never really have, I've, I've tried them like a handful of times. This is years ago since then. And every time it's like, I'll take a drag and be like, no, that's still gross. Like I can, I can enjoy my, you know, two or three times a year cigar and that's, that's fine. I still like those. Right. But like yeah. cigarettes for some reason where some people struggle so hard with it, I was just like, mm, I don't even want to have this anymore. And it sounds sort of similar to the second time or the, the, I guess not relapse, but the, you know, the time you tried after quitting. It yeah. was like, ew, I don't want this anymore. Uh, yeah, disgusting. Yeah, I did it for the rest of the weekend and then I was done. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, no, that's funny. Cigarettes were the hardest thing for me to quit because I, you know, I've done most of it. And uh, like, uh, I'll say cocaine, for instance, when I, when I worked at my very, this very poppin' bar in Oakland, uh, I, we would, I'd worked there a few nights a week and you know, I partied, everyone hung out is early twenties and I did cocaine all the time. <laughs> it was like, mm -hmm. like nine months straight. Uh, so not that long of a time for other, you know, people with big problems that I know, but like one day I did it and it gave me a little bit of a headache and it was uncomfortable. And I was like, Oh, I just kind of threw it out the window. I was like, never doing that again. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. <laughs> like there was no struggle. There was no anything. I was just like, Oh, that was annoying. You know? And, and then I was done. It's uh, so weird how different drugs yeah. and different people like connect like in an, in a different way. You know, it's yeah. so weird. I don't know what that is where some people can just be like, some people can casually use hard drugs. Not, right. I'm not suggesting that you should. I'm just <laughs> no, saying that some people not. can, and it's weird. I'm like, how? Yeah. But, but then other people, it totally wrecks their life. Yeah, that's it's how so I felt with, with like the cocaine thing. I would see people with a big problem, and I'm like, what's what's the problem here? Like, I don't. It, yeah, it's fun sometimes, but okay, whatever. I just set it right down. But then opiates, it's like it keeps drawing me back in, drawing me back in. And then, um, but smoking cigarettes, <clears throat> that took more tries than anything else. Like. It wasn't as hard physically and mentally to to actually like stop and kick because when I got off of opiates, I you know it there was about a week of withdrawals and it sucked. It was terrible. It was the worst week ever. I basically just locked myself in my room and watched Disney movies and bawled my eyes out over like Up and stuff like that. <laughs> well, Up and making anybody cry. Like hey, I know <laughs> it, it's not enough as it is, but then like crazy like withdrawal emotions on top of it it's <laughs> just like oh my god and oh, uh so that, <laughs> it, was, it was bad so now i'll be at disneyland and like hear that music come on and i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh no you've you, you shocked your system <laughs> yeah uh but uh but that you know once i actually did it 
and got through because a big part of it after a long time is just I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. So you keep doing stuff. Right. Um, so once I finally like stopped that and got got just went through it and got over it, I was like, damn, I'm never doing that again. I'm not going to put myself in that situation again because now I feel okay and it's not like, you know, calling me back. Um, with cigarettes, holy crap, I tried to stop 25, 30 times before it actually took. And when it did take, it wasn't even voluntary. Like it, it, it I think because it's, because that habit, because I was smoking like a pack a day and that, you know, that's way more often than I would do other drugs. You know, that was, you know, once a day, once every couple of days, whatever. And, but with the cigarettes, it's become such a habit, you know, you, it's a social thing. It's a relaxation thing. You do it after everything. You wake up, you have a cigarette, you, ha- you, you eat, you have a cigarette afterwards. You, you have a good idea. You go have a cigarette. <laughs> you know, you think mm-hmm. about something, you have a cigarette. You have a meal. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Driving was a big one for me. Driving, commuting, like I was doing at the time. I would smoke the whole time I was driving. Uh, so quitting was just like, uh, like, what do you do with your time? Like, this isn't the time I would go outside and have a smoke on the back porch, you know? Uh, and then that's just gone. So I kept going back to it, back to it, back to it. And, you know, it doesn't really ruin your life the way other, <laughs> other drugs do. So well, you it's it legal. Store you, and, and it's yeah, legal. Yeah. And you see other people doing it. And you don't yeah. have to like hide it. You don't have to be like, oh, I hope nobody sees me smoking yeah. a cigarette. You can just do it wherever you, you want to do, do it, it. For, for the well, most part. I'm in California. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm in Oregon. Yeah. It's not that much different. But like right, for the right. most part, you can just kind of you can find outside relatively easily. <laughs> so I, uh, I was I was going to work one day and I had to catch the BART train to, to get out to Oakland. And I, I was I knew exactly what time the train showed up and I was going to be right on time because I hate waiting for Bart. So I went up there, but I stepped on the curb with a cigarette still lit and I even, I was going to put it out. So I I took a puff and I went to put it out before I ran up to my train. And this is not, I'm not even on the platform. I'm like, I'm on the public street and then I'm going into the Bart station and a Bart cop stopped me and said, oh, there's no smoking here. And he held me up he didn't write me a ticket. He just held me there and detained me long enough to miss my train and be oh jeez, oh it's such a pain. So yeah, they're they're pretty uh pretty strict about that these days. Um, as far as smoking in public, which is good. Nobody should smoke around other people. You shouldn't uh shouldn't uh you know force other people to inhale. Oh, I, I mean, I I think it's generally good. I do think that. Uh, I do think that it gets taken a little bit too far sometimes where it's like, I am 40 feet away from you. You will be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I, I do think people need to calm down about, you know, yeah. probably a lot of things, but that's it is what it is. But yeah, yeah the reason I stopped smoking finally is because I, I had a, a tooth infection that I didn't know about I, and or a bad cavity. And a friend came over while I was, you know, I was on a kick where I stopped smoking. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to smoke but I'll smoke socially. And a friend came over. And I was like, Oh, I want a cigarette. And I was like, sure. And I took one hit of it. And after that hit for 17 hours, I was in excruciating pain to the point where I was like crying because I don't know, it got in my tooth somehow. And it was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. So 
I had to wait to get an emergency appointment with the dentist and they had to extract the tooth. And after that, I was like, cool, I'm done. Right. <laughs> no, not, not doing that ever again. So I guess, you know, you talked about like how you got started with opiates, but it sounds like you had done a lot of other stuff too. How, what would you say to somebody like, like, let's just hypothetically, I don't know if you have kids or not. Do you have kids? I don't. We're actually, yeah. we're talking about maybe having one. So that's, that's been interesting. Yeah. Lately, so, but. so what, you know, knowing that this could, cause you, you had a lot of exposure to family and friends that have had issues with this stuff. What do you think you would tell a child that would actually be beneficial instead of just, just say no, you know, oh, like man. all the nineties garbage that we grew up with. Yeah. Uh, so are you a fan of South Park? Not really. Uh, it oh, sounds really? kind of weird because I know so many people that love it, but like every time I've tried to watch it, I'm like, there's bits. And I think it's, you know, I think South Park is, it's one of those things that's more fun to recite later than it is to at the time you're watching it. That's what I, <laughs> how I feel about South Park. I don't know. So I, I'm a really big South Park fan. I haven't watched it in a while, but I've seen every episode multiple times. And, you know, behind all the the you know <laughs> crazy uh controversial jokes and and fart jokes and dick jokes and all that <laughs> stuff there right. are really really deep life lessons in those episodes like they get they get deep sometimes and they hit it home so hard like they have their finger on the pulse with a lot of stuff and they're so topical and current um the reason i bring that up is you asked me that and um I think they put it best in, in their uh, future self and me episode where uh, there's an episode where Stan, uh, the parents are trying to keep the kids off drugs and they don't know how to talk to him about it. So they, they put this uh, stupid program together where they trick the kids into thinking their future selves come back and they're all drug addicted and junkies. And they're like, uh. so the kids will be afraid and stay off drugs, you know? And at the end of the episode, the kids are pissed because they're like, why didn't you just fucking talk to us about it? Like, and they finally like break it down and they go, you know, like throughout your life, you're going to get offered drugs. And if you, if you take one hit of pot, it's not going to destroy your life and turn you into some, you know, junkie turning tricks on the corner. But it, if you get into pot, it'll prevent you from, from doing things and developing hobbies that you should be doing and, and doing healthy things and productive things as, as a growing human should, you know, like it, it makes you content when you, you otherwise wouldn't be, you know, it makes you okay with being bored and sitting around and doing nothing. So it, it's best to avoid because of that. Like it'd be, you'd be way better off learning guitar, you know, learning, uh, getting into sports or rock climbing or whatever. And, that one always kind of stuck with me. because I was like, damn, yeah, that's, that's super true. Because that happened to you. Like I imagine based on this conversation, you, you were just kind of soothing the boredom in a, in a yeah. weird way. Mm -hmm. Soothing the boredom and anxiety. Yeah. The, the anxiety was a big part of it for me. Like I had such a problem in my teen years with, with anxiety, I would go on weird, like existential death trips in my head and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, what's the point of everything? Everyone's going to die someday. <laughs> you know, just, and I get kind of lost in that and have anxiety attacks or panic attacks or whatever. And 
the drugs trying to trying to put a stop to that. That's why I trying to you know felt so at home. And taking this a step further, you mentioned the trying to find something to occupy your time with, you know, when you are trying to quit or, you know, yeah. uh, you know, getting, getting healthy just in general. Right. Uh, what, what about somebody, if somebody happens to be listening to this right now, that is in the same place you were, which there's a non-zero, not in, not a zero chance or what am I trying to say? There's a good chance that there's somebody that is hearing this right now that is going through that what would you say to them? Like, what would your advice be to somebody that's like right in the throes of it? Right. Um, don't wait. Don't wait for anybody else to pull you out of it. You know, it, you have to do it yourself. And it's very hard. Like I said, I feel very lucky to have an obsession and an interest in something like guitar amps that, uh, that is healthy like that. But you have to just find something you have to, you have to go out and, and find something else that you love, you know, cause it, it would make it so much easier if, if you had something you were looking forward to and, you know, a reason to get clean. Um, I talk to a lot of people that that have uh, that either have a problem or I'm, most everyone I know has somebody that they know that has a problem, you know, a family member or anything like that. And it's always hard for them because people want to say stuff that that will change someone's mind, you know. And I had so many people tell me, "Oh, you need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing this. Don't you know how how bad it is?" And it's like, "Oh, oh, never thought of that," you know. But uh, nothing anybody could have said would would have changed my mind at the time. Like I, I mm-hmm. thought that I would never stop at the time. It, it was just something I liked doing, and you know, there's nothing I was going to change. Um, I don't think there's anybody. I don't think there's anything anybody can say to someone else. And this is more of a message for those people out there with loved ones with loved friends ones. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not, you know, do what you can to, to show appreciation for those people and don't treat them like a leper because they're human beings, uh, e- even though they have a problem. Uh, but it's not your responsibility. You know, it's not other people's responsibility to get someone else uh, clean because it's like talking to a wall. Like there's, nobody can do it except for the the person involved you know you have to get to that point on your own um and that's the only way that i've i've ever really seen it work i don't i'm a, i'm a moron about this stuff. i don't it's not like i have all the all the knowledge about it this is just what i've seen in in my life and what i've seen work and what's worked for me well, I mean, that is an extremely valid viewpoint, though, because most people don't have any knowledge of what to do. They, like I said, a lot of people will just be like, well, just get off drugs then. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, oh, Phil. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> or thanks. Phyllis or whoever. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. Thanks, <laughs> Richard. Never thought of that. No, mm-hmm. I know. I mean, but people have that that mentality with a lot of different stuff. It's like, like I, I have a problem. I still struggle with depression here and there. Not like crazy sadness, depression, but just 
more like a laziness kind of depression and procrastination and stuff like that where i i nothing sounds better than just sitting and doing nothing uh and i talked to certain because i'm like i'll want to do stuff and there'll be stuff that i need to get done but i'm not even doing the stuff that i want to do like so how am i supposed to do the stuff that i don't want to do uh right and i talked to a lot of people and they're like just do it you just got to do it and it's like never thought of that like, <laughs> like yeah, you're right it's so easy nike had it all along uh but it's it's just i think a lot of it is is neurological you know it, it, you get set in your ways and your uh your coping mechanisms and stuff like that um where so many people are just content on you know scrolling on their phone on their social media or, or whatever and myself i'm guilty of that too um and it, it's just an a, escape kind of thing so it, it makes it a lot easier to sit and do nothing and um it's just a matter of changing patterns and that goes back to drug use too you you start doing these you you start up with these destructive habits and they i think they like shape your neural pathways in ways that other things um don't do as fast you know mm -hmm. um and it it becomes so hard to break that habit but i think ultimately that's all it is is a habit and if you can kind of like i said like sidestep into something else and just really like crush those habits um it, it makes it a lot easier but like i said there's nothing i don't think there's anything anyone can say to another person like i've never seen guilt work that, that's just ridiculous uh i've never seen uh pleading work that's also ridiculous uh it, but you know support can work like help help people find other things to do you know it's i've seen it a lot easier for people um if they just have a foundation to grow on and like a, a lot of my friends that have succeeded in in uh kicking drugs they just dove straight into basically a new life just like got a job got a girlfriend got a, a new obsession and they find things that they really love and and just go for it you know um <laughs> be it guns or motorcycles or or music or or uh extreme sports or, or whatever but they just kind of dive into something and i know that's hard because i know a lot of people out there that that aren't really that interested in a lot of stuff and and that's why they end up doing that um so it's really hard to find something like that but um and that's hard for me to wrap my mind around you know what looking. i mean because yeah. i've had so many i have too many hobbies and there and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that i'm interested in that i purposely have avoided going down the rabbit hole with because that will turn into another thing where you know i'm like i'm super interested in coffee but i also oh, don't yeah. know i don't know that much about coffee because i know for a fact if i go down that rabbit hole i'm gonna need to build another shred shed so i can roast all my beans you know like <laughs> it's just that's just how i am and i have a feeling that if i if i found a drug that really clicked with my brain which i'm not looking for one but if I, if i did <laughs> right. then i would also run into that 
same problem. I think I have that type of yeah. personality. Yeah, I have a few I could show you if you're interested. But no, I'm good. Not... I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I made no. it this far. I, I think I'm yeah. all right. <laughs> no, dude, coffee's a big one. That was, and it's funny because coffee culture is big in the recovery world as well because it's kind of the the one socially acceptable drug. And I will say that this is interesting. I tried to quit coffee, and because I drink a lot of coffee. Um, like five years ago, I got on, you know, a health binge and a health cake. And I, and, um, one of my other cousins also, you know, trying to convince me like, dude, cut out coffee. Like it's, you'll feel great. Like it'll suck for a week. And, and then, but then you'll feel great and you won't have this, this anchor, like that you have to wake up and drink every morning and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a try. Um, it was the worst thing I've ever done and I'll never do it again. <laughs> it was so terrible. And I, I tried to find out why, cause I thought I was just being a wuss. Cause I was like, I've kicked harder stuff. I've, you know, I've, I've kicked opiates and I've done all that and coffee, no problem. I'll have a headache for a few days and that'll be it. So about five days in, I was like bawling on the couch, just like mentally out of my mind. Really? Uh, and so at that point I was like, screw this like if this is having this big of an effect on me i do not want it in my body i'm gonna keep at it you know seven days like should be good so like day 13 i was like worse than ever just like like getting suicidal almost like just like not suicidal but just like what's the point of everything and just like this is stupid and oh my god just this huge mental depression came over me and uh I was just like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> it's been 13 days. If this isn't going anywhere, <laughs> I'm done. I had a sip of coffee and literally immediately leveled out back to normal. Uh, how much of that do you think is the substance? And how much do you think is the mental game that comes along with that substance? So with, with, I, with coffee in particular. I was so interested in that. That I that I looked into it, so I was like, "Why the hell was that so terrible? Why did that have such a big effect on me?" And apparently, caffeine works on your opioid receptors the same way that opiates uh, do. So I don't know if it was because of my past history with with those like neurotoxins, uh, or if it's just caffeine in general. Because I've been I've been drinking coffee and caffeine you know, Coca-Cola, stuff like that. Since I was like very young, like four or five years old, we, we were always allowed to have soda and stuff like that. And um, and then it turned from soda into coffee. Um, so I guess I was like 30 when I tried to stop. So it it was basically 25 years of this addiction I had been feeding with, with caffeine so my body has never, ever, 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 ever known how to work without caffeine, you know, and it latches on to those uh, like neuroreceptors. I don't know if I'm using the terminology right, but um, it, what I remember from my reading is after that such like that long of a time needing it and then trying to just cut it out all of a sudden. It yeah, it throws your body into the same kind of like withdrawal and like your endorphins and your uh your serotonin just are completely regulated by caffeine. So in the same way that that opiates do that. So um I was lucky enough to when I stopped opiates, I had only been doing it like you know, 
a lot for like three or four years. So I was able to stop and it sucked for a week. And then I, I wasn't depressed after that. I know people that have been doing it for 20 years and there's no way they could do it without, without methadone or something like that because 20 years of your serotonin being regulated by that stuff. It's like, yeah, you're not sick anymore, but now you're a depressed wreck for six months and nobody's going to want to go through that. So it, your body has to learn how to readjust to all that stuff. And that's where methadone clinics and stuff like that come in. Um, I was lucky enough to not need it, but I know a lot of people that do. And, and there's, there's no way that someone doing it that long should try and do it without it. I think, um, because yeah, it just, it wipes that, out. So that gets into the real, I mean, not that you didn't have the real physical addiction too, but that gets into like what you're talking about with, with caffeine where you're, yeah. you've been doing it so long, your body, your body like almost it, considers it a necessity. Like, yeah, it doesn't know like, how to like do water. It. Yeah. It, it, literally, know it do. literally doesn't know how to regulate your serotonin without it. And that's what makes you feel normal and happy. So I, from my reading, I was reading that if I did keep not drinking coffee, it would, you know, regulate itself out after like three or four months. But there's no way I'm ever going to give up three or four months of my life. Coffee's <laughs> not that big of a problem. I, I tend to enjoy it. So, right. Uh, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting to bring up because that was that that took the biggest toll on me mentally, just like trying to quit that. So, yes, I, I very much love coffee. It keeps me together. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I get I get serious with that stuff. Like I got a crazy brewing setup, and I have a yeah, lot that's of. That's what I'm trying friend. to avoid. <laughs> oh man, oh man, it's so good. I love trying out new beans. Um, one of the necessities for for moving to the new spot we did was okay. Where's a good coffee roaster around? Like, because I can't handle Starbucks or anything like that. Like, I need like fresh, like fresh roasted stuff that uh, that is done right. Because when it's good, oh my god, it's so noticeable. But I, oh, man, you know, it really I, is. I have I have a I have a fancy grinder. I grind it right before I brew it, and it's it's phenomenal. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, see, I I really really like that stuff, and I live in Portland, so there's plenty of it around, and I yeah, don't does, know of, do they, I don't know about any they, of it. They're into coffee in Portland. Yeah, yeah did you hear that? Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, you know that? yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know hardly any of it, but I do know like one my favorite coffee spot in Nashville, you know, <laughs> and then I yeah. got I've found a new one in Kansas City here recently called Second Best that was just amazing. Uh, barista parlor in nashville by the way nice. too. yeah so um but i'm really concerned that if i if i if i do get heavily into it and i find something i really like here that it'll just be like well this is a new thing that i have to do and oh, i i could see myself just going right off the edge so I, yeah i i've drank really poor to medium quality coffee for most of my life uh, especially when I had a regular job, I drank it every single morning. Yeah. But once I started working for myself and got on my like preferred sleep schedule, uh, which is just the ultimate luxury of all luxuries. Thank you, everybody, for <laughs> making that a possibility. <laughs> I uh, I didn't really need it when I woke up in the mornings. And now I go so long in between having it. That when I it's it's kind of it's kind of nice because now caffeine does what it's supposed to. Yeah, 
Like it didn't it used to be just like, I just, I need this to help me wake up. Now it's like, you know, I really need a boost for this workout or I'm, I'm kind of dragging today and it actually like works. Yeah. And it, it, I went for a long time where it's like 300 milligrams. That's not enough. I'm going to need six. And, <laughs> and now it's, now it's like a cup of coffee really perks me up. It never used to like most of my life after, you know, after, you know, when I was a teenager, I mean, it was really weird when I was a teenager, I would drink three of those large rock stars like every Friday night and go home and sleep like a baby. If I did that now, I'd be like a crackhead. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> I used to drink coffee all, all hours of the day up until I'd be sipping on it at bedtime and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I guess I had sleep issues that I wasn't addressing, <laughs> but I, you know, not that bad. Um, nowadays, like I, I kind of, I try not to have any after like 2 PM, but I'll go up to like 4 PM if I didn't have any prior and I'll get distracted and not make it sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But if I, yeah, if I have it in the afternoon, I'm just laying in bed awake at night, just going, yeah, going nuts. My mind racing, impossible to fall asleep. I don't know why. I don't know why that changed. Yeah, it's it's something about getting older, man. I don't know what it is. Everything has changed for me. Not everything, but a lot of things have changed for me after 30. I yeah. I used to, I still eat a lot, but I used to eat like an inhuman amount of food. Like, like it's fu- just it's fun. <laughs> ju- it is. But I mean, yeah. like it was it was really it was really insane. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I physically can't do it anymore. Oh, like right. I, yeah. I, I, I physically can't fit that much food into my stomach anymore. And I, I look back at some of the meals I used to eat on the regular and I was like, how, how did I do that? There's, I couldn't even do a quarter of that now. And it, it yeah. hit right at 30, like we used to go to this hamburger place every year with a, it, it's kind of a funny tradition. It's like my dad and his friend, like every Christmas, we would go with their family and go to this place called Calamity Jane's that you rest in peace. It's closed. Uh, but it, we would go there literally every year for Christmas. And ever since I was 12 years old, I'd get the trail boss, which is their massive hamburger. I don't even know how big it is. It's like well over a pound of all kinds. It, it's insane. Like it's, it's huge. Like my dad could never eat it. That's how big it was. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. and I got it every year. And every year, everybody would be looking at me like, is this the year he's not going to be able to eat it? Is this year he's not going to be able to eat it? <laughs> and when I hit 30, that was the year I could no longer eat it. I mean, I mean, I would eat this thing no problem. I would be done with it and eat onto the deep fried mushrooms by the time most people had half theirs gone. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it was like a light switch. It wasn't a gradual thing. It was like, uh oh, and now I'm now I'm looking at that. I'm going like, what other kinds of things are going to? That's not really a big problem. That's not really an issue. That's just like me not being able to do something I shouldn't have been doing in the first place. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> and and now I'm like, what's going to break on me when I crest 35? What's going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, it's. I'm noticing more and more just body issues that pop up, just muscle tightness and stuff like that. It's it's a pain. I had a huge back issues a few years ago that um, I got injured. At, I was working with this dude and I tried to catch a box that 
was actually empty, but it just like jerked my back weird for some reason mm-hmm. uh, when I was bracing for it. And it screwed me up so bad. I could, I like, I needed help like standing up and sitting down. Um, and I, I got in, I tried everything, physical therapy and massage and all that stuff and nothing seemed to work. And then I got into, you know, exercising and actually trying to be fit and healthy and started rock climbing and it like fixed me up. So like got me like 99% back to normal. Like my back feels great now. I have more core muscles and all that crap. And, uh, and then when all that stuff closed last year, all the gyms are still closed around here. Um, hit me right back to feeling like super tight in my shoulders and my neck. And I'm like, God, I'm only 35. Like this, this feels like a 60 year old's problem. What the hell's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, that was a big issue for a lot of people and myself included. I, I, the gym is, is where I go to just, you know, blow off steam. Yeah. This is, this is, and I, I, you know, I put on the, you know, some sort of ridiculous hardcore thing in my headphones and, and just go crazy. Yeah. And not having that in, in 2020 was, I I went for several months and I finally was like, I don't care. I know exercise equipment is way overpriced right now, but I am going to buy some. And so, yeah, I've got a, a power rack and everything on my back porch now, much to the annoyance of my family. But I'm like, Hey, do you you don't like dad when he had, doesn't go to the gym? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I that that's what that was tough for me because I can't I can't do it. I can't stand just doing the normal gym routine. Um, I have to be in a more social kind of environment, and it's weird to talk to people at, at the gym when you're doing that stuff. That's why I got into the the indoor rock climbing and stuff because it's a very social thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like doing it outside as much, just because I, I don't know. I just, I just don't. And, uh, so that, that's been, it, yeah, I've gained like 30 pounds in a year just because I stopped, uh, stopped working out and doing all that. Yeah. I, well, I, when I started off 2020, I'm, I, I really like, I really like lifting and I like going heavy. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to squat 500 this year. Like I'm finally going to do it. That super didn't happen oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, I was, I was, you know, I had a plan. I was starting from a good place i was like yeah this is doable and yeah now i'm now i'm almost back to where i was at the beginning of 2020 and i'm like okay maybe 2021 is the year of of well look at it look at it this way you didn't squat the 500 but really what's more squatting 500 or getting through 2020 and squatting the weight of the world and a pandemic (laughs) and all that stuff so really You exceeded your goals. That's well. This is a good good way to put it. Yeah, we had the we had the firestorm. We had the ice storm. Dude, yeah. the firestorm. I'm I'm getting ready for that again. Are you ready? <sighs> See, I I we don't deal with that here. That's not a thing that happens in the Willamette Valley. That is oh, the first okay. time that's that's ever happened uh, in my lifetime. It's actually the first time it's ever happened in my grandpa's life, and he's eighty. Uh. So yeah, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you're used to that, right?" I'm like, "No, no, no. We don't do that here. That's nope. not a thing that we do." <laughs> uh, us too. I mean, the last 4 or 5 years, it's been crazy and become kind of normal now, so that's really weird. But like I had a friend uh move out from Virginia 
And she said, so she's lived here for like four years now. So she's seen the fires every year. And she's like, yeah, so nobody told me when I was moving to California that you guys have to deal with these crazy fires. Like, have you just had to deal with this like your whole life? And I was like, God, no, no, this is weird. (laughs) It doesn't, uh, it doesn't normally happen this bad. There'll be, you know, little fires here and there, but oh my God, the last four years have been insane. I have a crazy video I'll send you, uh, when I moved up from the Bay Area up to the Sacramento area um, last year, it was right in the middle of fire season and I had to drive up Highway 80 and uh, it it was insane. I was literally, there was literally a part where like a half an hour before that, my friend and my girlfriend took a load uh, from our old house to our new house and they were like, oh, there's some flames like up on the hill in the distance. It was kind of crazy to see. And they got home, they got to the new place just fine. I was a half an hour behind them and I was driving through and traffic became deadlocked to a dead stop because through Vacaville, there's building fires started bursting out. So I was like driving along the highway and like a tree on the side of the highway is just burst into flames. And we, I came up to this huge black smoke. The, the police were there and the fire people were there. Uh, to they were kind of guiding everyone on the highway into one line and we got up to this huge flame across the freeway and all this black smoke like opaque smoke and the cops are just like waving people like go through it you have to go through it and people are looking at the flames and looking at the cops like and just and then they just gas it and just bounce through it and i had had to do that but i recorded the whole thing because i was on the phone with my girlfriend so uh I'll send you that video if you're interested. It, it's insane. Oh, man. It it was so bizarre. And I mean, it just looks like the sky is red and it just looks like we're oh, all about. To, it, I'm like, this is I'm like, I live in yeah. Oregon. Yeah, I live in the, the green, lush, wet, supposedly Willamette Valley. What is going on right now? And it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, climate change. It's huh. insane. Interesting. Oh, I know. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I've heard of this before. Uh. Well, that's the thing. Is like, I mean, I used to work in the petroleum industry, and you know, like that that wasn't a popular, necessarily a popular thing to talk about, right? Um, but I was like, hey, uh, guys, ever since I've been working here, we've had a snow event of some sort, sometimes major, sometimes minor, but we've had a snow event of some sort in portland every year when i was growing up we never had snow no never and i'm i'm like i'm just saying you know once it's happened for seven plus years in a row something might be going on i'm just throwing it out there (laughs) maybe you know (laughs) maybe maybe someone should check on this maybe maybe there's something uh something to this yeah the uh did you see the uh, it was terrible terrible and i i hate to make any kind of joke about it at all but it's very ironic did, did you see what happened to paradise california I the did whole, not. the whole town is like gone what yeah paradise last year i think it was last year or the year before i think it was paradise because i remember it being ironic um paradise california just burned to the ground like the whole town is gone it's terrible for all those people but holy crap like what an ironic like photo or image like it's just seeing that welcome to paradise and everything's on right. fire. It's, it's like it's insane. It's like out of a movie. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder if we're in a movie. I think maybe we're in a movie. I've thought that before. Simulation. 
just weird when i would go on my weird existential death trips it was just like is this all even real like is this i've definitely like explored the simulation theory oh yeah uh in my brain and with others before and i've come to the conclusion because a lot of people really spend a lot of time on it right i've come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) that's why i that's how i ultimately got out of all that stuff Mm -hmm. that's just the thing it's like i was like well i'm like if okay hypothetically it's i could see how it's possible um and i could also see that fitting in with you know a lot of people's beliefs and and viewpoints maybe not in the way that they think it does but it actually like pencils uh and at the end of the day it doesn't matter if it's simulation right do you watch do you watch rick and morty or I, I don't. Okay, Rick and Morty, another one, just like South Park. Inappropriate fart jokes, all the funny, controversial stuff. Crazy deep messages. Such an intelligent show. <laughs> it's so crazy. But they have sure? Because all I've seen is that it's a pickle. And I'm like, I don't care about the oh, no. pickle. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great episode, too. <laughs> that's an awesome episode. It took me a long time to get into that show. Everyone told me to watch it. And because, you know, I like I like you know, off the wall humor and stuff like that. And uh, I tried to watch the pilot a few times and it was just so over the top, just like this drunk dude. And it's just like, uh. but the pilot is so much different than the rest of the show that once I actually started watching a couple episodes, I was like, holy crap, this is really good. And <laughs> there's one episode where uh, Rick takes Morty to his grandson to this like interdimensional uh, casino or arcade or whatever. And they pop on, um, Oh, what is the name of it? Sorry, one second. I'm trying to remember. Uh, damn. But he the the grandson pups on this video game, and it's it's a dude's name. It's like uh, like a real video game, like, it, it's like in real life, or it's just in the no show? no no in the show. It's just a game it, it, at the arcade and. Uh, Man, I'm at a deadlock because I'm trying to remember the name. It's called like uh, uh, Ron or something. Like, let's just call it Ron. And okay. uh, they, uh, Morty pops it on, and he enters the simulation of this dude Ron's life, like from birth <laughs> all the way to the end, and like goes through like you know like high school heartbreak and like uh, not being able to get the job he wants, and then finding the girl he loves, and and. Uh, it's Roy. Getting, getting Roy. Yeah, yeah, Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank Had to you. Google it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and uh, and he like he uh, you know he gets married. He takes over his jobs at the in laws like carpet store, and and then he dies, and uh, and then he pops out of the game, and he's so confused. He's like, "What? What the hell? Like, where's my wife?" Like, <laughs> and he basically like lived this whole life in this simulation, and. Uh, is that's a super funny episode that's that reminded me of it's way funnier than the way i just told it so so go watch it yeah maybe us maybe we'll maybe yeah. we'll uh take the i forget which pill it is yeah pill. maybe maybe we're a bunch of roys you know yeah just, just living in some weird simulation that's what my cousin actually my cousin uh my cousin eric that died he used to say that when we were in middle school he was like i bet we're just a weird like aliens alien kids science project you know we're probably at a science <laughs> fair in some other dimension right now you know like we're like the matrix where we're just yeah. a bunch of batteries yeah yeah we're just batteries 
thought yeah, we are. I think I, you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, boo on what? Who was it? Which one went back in? I forget his name. Cipher? Is that yeah. the guy? That, yeah. I was like, boo on him. He went back in like lame. And now as an adult, I'm like, minus the whole betraying your friends thing. I'm not. I'm still not on board with that. But like, I get why you wanted to go back in. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, load me up, make me rich, make me have it. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's do it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know any of this stuff. Yep. It, ignorance is bliss for yep. sure. Drag I know. Back in the system. I'm like, I can. I, I'm a little more sympathetic to the guy these days. Yeah, I know. We used to talk about all kinds of weird existential ideas like that when we were kids. It was funny. Like. <laughs> I always used to say that, like, as a 17-year-old, I felt so cool. Like, as a 17-year-old, <laughs> I was so ahead of the curve. We were into cool music and, like, like did all this cool social stuff and, like, all these crazy mature ideas that we thought at the time. And then as a 27-year-old, I would look at my life and be like, man, I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm still behind the curve. Like, I'm, I'm, like, fresh off drugs, don't have a job, don't have this. Like, all my friends have surpassed me. And then now as a 35-year-old coming on to 37 soon, pretty awesome 37-year-old, 30, uh, I think I'm going to be here. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've, I've wrapped it back around. You've come full circle at yeah, last. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a weird thing thinking about like how you were when you were a kid, right? Because I think about myself back then, and if you would have asked me, I would have said that I think I'm a pretty nice guy, and I think I, you know, I don't, I, I would have told you that I didn't think that I was cool. But when I look back and like think about how I behaved in certain contexts and situations, I was like, man, you weren't really that you weren't you weren't what you you thought you were. Oh, no. You know, you weren't nice in the way you were. I wasn't terrible. I wasn't like a bully or anything, but like you weren't quite as nice as you thought you were. And you weren't yeah. quite as cool as you thought you were, even though like if like if somebody would have came up and been like, are, do you think you're one of the cool guys? I would have said no. But like... No, that's for lame people to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had this weird superiority complex with the music I listened to for no reason at all. It didn't make me a special butterfly or a special flower. There were hundreds of thousands of kids listening to the same exact stuff yeah. that I was all across the country. Yeah, And just because I didn't like Nickelback didn't make me any more influential <laughs> or cool or smart. You right. know, like it yeah. It's like, it pff, I don't matter. like, I know. I think same thing. I think about it back then. And it's like, I look back on it and like you said, yeah, I was a nice person. I was an okay person, but I was a judgmental dick. <laughs> like we, mm -hmm. we all were, our friends would, yeah, we all thought we were like the coolest. We, you know, best taste in music. Like that means anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, right, like that matters. Who like cares? That, like, <laughs> like that's a value you should hold, like you know, up high. Well, uh, like that's actually going to get you anywhere, right? <laughs> it's yeah, like it's, it's not going to get you more friends. It's not going to get you uh, well, a better bring, job or what even, it gets you is enjoyment out of the music you listen to. And you know right. who else gets that? Everybody else that likes the music that they like. <laughs> that's right. Now that said, I will still criticize the Doors until my dying day. But that's, really, that, that's just me. Why the Doors? I hate the Doors. Oh wow, that was like one of my first big ones. Really, Doors. I loved it. The Doors are a weird one for me because. So let me step back a little bit. So this the first time this I heard is a like great segue on... into a question I have for you. But go ahead. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Riders on the Storm. I heard that song on on the radio, on the classic rock radio. All right. And I didn't know who it was. I had no idea. I, I had I had no idea who it was. I was just like, 
this song sucks. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is or who it's by, but I know I don't like it. And and it's not just that song. I can't even remember off the top of my head all the Doors hits. But basically all of the hits, I, I would hear them sporadically on the radio and I'd be like, I don't like this. What is this? How old and are you at day, this point? Uh, probably like 14, okay. 12, 12 to 14. All right. And I got a little bit older and, you know, started going to stores and doing things, you know, myself. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, you got to listen to the doors. I'm like, all right, I'll listen to the doors. And I put on the doors and I was like, this is that horrible stuff that I I didn't <laughs> like the first time I heard about it. I was like, this song sucks. This yeah. guy is a self-indulgent. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't deal with it. Yeah. I was, and then like the more I learned about them, the less I liked them. So like, right. I'm just like, I'm glad people like it. It's not for me. Yeah. That's, that's the point I've landed on. I mean, I definitely think like growing up, yeah, I thought Jim Morrison was so cool, but thinking about it now, I'm like, what a dork. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, I see what you're saying. They have a soft spot for me just because like I said, they were one of the first big ones for me. Like I always like music growing up when I was real young, I was really into like the misfits and the Ramones and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. or, you know, early seventies, eighties punk. And um, I loved Danzig's voice. And uh, my uncle, I think, showed me the doors and was like, oh, check, you know, this dude kind of sounds like this dude. And I, then I loved Jim Morrison's voice. I, Riders in the Storm was never a favorite of mine, but I got deep into him like because they, they were it was more musically expressive than the punch stuff I had been listening to. You know, it was a little more complex. Um, now I listen to all the crazy stuff that I listen to now. And I'm like, God, that seems like such a such an elementary band, you know, but uh, <laughs> but they're not you know th there's good songs and bad songs i don't listen to them nearly as much anymore um but i, I don't know like i said what a dork but i, I think every musician that, that kind of takes himself seriously too much kind of comes off as a dork and that's fine you can be a dork that's good no that's fine <laughs> i mean i'm definitely a dork oh yeah there's, there's sure. no arguing with this yeah big time it, it's it's a it's a it's a yeah i mean people listen to this podcast they know I'm not very smart or cool. <laughs> I'm just I'm just yeah. a guy that talks on the internet. That's yeah, all I, don't, I am. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've just learned a lot of things that people seem to like over the years. So <laughs> like uh well that's more constructive than what I've been doing. <laughs> right. So I had a question here. Uh I I had it on my notes in case we we lost track but I, we never uh, we never did. Um but since we're talking about music um I've been asking people this lately. If you had to live with one decade of music and you couldn't listen to anything else from any other decade, which would you choose? All right. If you need the answer to that question, you can find it in the very next bonus episode that is right in your feed behind this one. Or if you're listening on the website, it's the next post. You know, you can find it. It's part two of my chat with Mr. Charles Henry from Silk Tone Amps. And we get into a lot of random musical stuff on this next section. So a lot of just music nerds talking about music nerd things. And it was a lot of fun. So hopefully you enjoyed these bonus episodes. I like putting out the extra content when I can. And I super enjoyed this conversation with Charles. And I really like his amps. Go check out his amps. I'm using it all over my music right now. Uh, it sounds just incredible. And uh, he's a great dude. Deserves some support. So go check his amplifiers out. Silk Tone Amps. Give him a follow on the socials and all that jazz. All right. On to part two. And uh, 
yeah, hope you enjoy. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.